Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight, we are recording on August 6th, 2017. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. And with me, as always, is Brad Galloway, who is the editor at Game Critics. Brad, how are things? They're bad, man. It's real bad. I, uh, oh. It's real, real bad because I was eating pretty healthy today. And now that we're doing the show, uh, I have got a mad craving for like uh, buffalo chicken strips or anything deep fried oh. right now. And I'm hurting because there's none of that in the house. <laughs> there is none of that available. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed hungry. And I'm not hungry. I'm going to eat shit today. I had plenty of stuff, but I didn't eat anything bad for me today. And now my body is not happy with me. <laughs> well, they say that what the well, like one of the best ways to cut that kind of food out of your diet is to just not have it in the house at all. So at least you're succeeding on that front. Uh, I guess. I mean, that's a really sad, bitter <laughs> success, though, because I could really fucking go for some chicken strips right now. Other than that, I'm totally, totally fine. <laughs> how, how are you, sir? How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good, um, I guess. I mean, uh, pretty normal normal Sunday. Uh, Patrick has returned to Louisiana, so um, he's back in the house. And um, today was a very, very kind of lazy Sunday, just like uh, doing a lot of laundry, doing the dishes, kind of getting caught up on stuff kind of day, kind of a normal Sunday, I suppose. Right on, right on. Yeah, we had kind of a similar weekend, I um, I almost had Friday off. I only had one thing to do at work and it, it was really quick. So it, it was basically like nine tenths of a day off on Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just kicked it with the family, hung around, played a lot of video games, watched uh, some movies, just, you know, didn't really do anything, which was fine. Um, because this week that's coming up is going to be super balls to the wall busy. I'm going to barely be home. So I was glad to just spend some time with the family, not really doing much of anything, um, that's not our usual routine. We're not usually couch potatoes, but this weekend it was fine because uh, by the time Tuesday rolls around, I'm going to be already done with the week and I'll still have three more days to go. And I will be thinking fondly of the weekend that I uh, just spent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, I guess we already steeped a little bit into it, but as listeners already know, uh, regular listeners, I should say, uh, Brad and I usually get things started with a little bit of banter that's not necessarily game-related. Uh, Brad, I'm sure you were not planning on talking about your work week for your banter segment, so what else do you have? A um, bunch of things. I'll start off with the... I know it's not necessarily game-related, but it is game-related this week. A couple of game things and then something non-game-related. Um, first, just a really quick note um, for people who are following my ongoing saga with Neo. I think it's finally over. <laughs> finally over and done. Finished the game a while ago. And the developer sent us a code for the DLC. And since I figured, well, I just finished the main game, maybe I'll dip in for the DLC. And I dipped right back out. Um, I know a lot of people said Neo was really hard and unforgiving. I didn't think so. I thought that um, it was challenging but there was a good curve once you got past the beginning once you figured out the systems that may have changed because the developers keep tweaking things and a lot of the strategies that i relied on to get through the campaign i guess are now nerfed so it may be actually a lot tougher now but that's not really the thing the thing that really got me out of neo 
was the DLC. The DLC is really, really hard. And it's not just hard as in challenging. It's hard as in the developers are taking cheap shots at the player and setting up things that are really like not fair and just being generally unpleasant and kind of expecting you to grind a lot just to keep up with Joneses. And I'm not going to do that. So um, the DLC is cool because it adds new weapons. And that's actually kind of a big deal in the game because, you know, getting used to weapons and weapon styles is, is a lot of the gameplay. So adding new weapons is pretty awesome, but the rest of the DLC is garbage. So cool <laughs> campaign, but I'm not going to finish the DLC. There's actually one more that's coming up, and I'm not even going to bother. So I am done, and I have to say I deleted it off my, my hard drive, enjoyed it for what it was, and I'm kind of glad that it's over. So I'm not going to be coming back to Neo at all, and I do not recommend the DLC, but I still do recommend the main campaign. So just a quick touch, touch base on that. Um... Something else game-related. I, I don't have a lot to say about this, but I did think it was interesting. Um, Corey, did you watch the Mario Odyssey uh, E3 footage or any of the trailers that came out about Mario Odyssey when that was going down? I have seen bits and pieces of like trailer footage cut up. I don't think I actually sat down and watched the whole trailer, but I've seen like stuff, you know, like Mario throwing his hat on things and, you know, then him being able to control those things and stuff. But... Uh, not like 100% of what's been out there yet. Okay, so there's not like a ton out there. Uh, but I did watch that uh, video when it was uh, shown at E3 and so forth. And in one of the clips of Mario Odyssey, they show Mario in like a desert world or something. And he's got like a sombrero on and there's like cactuses and stuff. And I remembered watching the video thinking, huh, I don't know how I feel about that. Because that seems kind of, I mean, kind of racist maybe. Like he's just like Mexi Mario all of a sudden. And it's, like, really stereotypical in the desert. Got the, you know, the sombrero. I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I feel good about this or not. I mean, granted, I haven't played the game. I haven't seen it in context, so I can't say for sure. But out of everything in that trailer, that kind of did stick out to me as maybe not being cool. And also just, you know, to preface, I am of Mexican descent. So it's not like I'm just, like, some white guy up on a, a soapbox. Um, I do have uh, a lot of Mexican family members. And so watching this, I was like, mm. I don't know about this, Mario. So anyway, I didn't make a big fuss about it, but clearly other people felt the same because it was recently announced that Nintendo, uh, on the box art for Mario Odyssey, Sombrero Mario was like in the bottom left-hand corner of the cover. He's not there anymore. They took him off of the cover. Um, <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's because people were like, hey, this is not cool. Uh, I don't know for a fact, but I do think it's interesting that they changed that. And... I am curious to see if he still is in the game. Did they make some changes? Is he going to be like Cowboy Hat Mario instead of Sombrero Mario? Or is it going to even, you know, who knows? I don't know. But I thought that was kind of interesting that they, they did change that because Nintendo is not historically one to be very responsive to the outcries of fans along stuff, uh, along lines like this for, you know, racial stuff or sexist stuff. So I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, Corey, any thoughts on that? Uh, every time, because uh, I think you talked about this for just like 30 seconds or so on like an episode or two ago, and every time it comes up, I always think about um, that fucking segment in uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance where Raiden is wearing like they like an attempt to make him look as cool as possible in like a cool way that like a 13-year-old boy would think is cool. He's like in the desert with, like, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, and, like, he was wearing, like, a sombrero, and he even had, like, the... Like, the... I can't remember what it's called, but, like, the... Oh, my God. What is it called, Brad? Like, the... He's, like, the, the Serape, right? Yeah, the Serape. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so he had like all of that stuff on. And I remember there being like a slight backlash against that at the time. But it's one of those things where like, I mean, it, this doesn't forgive it, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, ha ha ha, those Japanese guys. Like, it's like Resident Evil 5, you know, where, you know, you're, you kill like 90% black people in the game and it's like impoverished Africa. Like, I don't think they mean, like, they don't mean it to be racist, but it's just like, I don't know, they might like, they might not like know any better or something like that. But um, I, I just think about that kind of stuff whenever, uh, but I, I kept having these like parallels of Sombrero Mario and like Sombrero Raiden in my head at the same time. But I think, um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's definitely the right move to make to pull him off the box art. But if it's I mean, if he still exists in the game, then it's still, like, kind of problematic. I mean, it's sort of like with Ghost in the Shell, where, like, Scarlett Johansson played the major, but they decided not to call her Motoko Kusanagi in the movie, so they just sort of, like, erased that out of most of the movie. This kind of reminds me of that, too, where it's, like, they're just, like, erasing it off the cover of the game, but it's probably still going to be in the game. Um, I'm sure once it comes out, it'll be contextualized more, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be, like good or like well-meaning or something like that yeah very true i mean i'm not like uh firing all cannons or anything i'm not like super angry or anything i just you know it made me raise an eyebrow when i saw that and i'm like hmm i wonder how that's gonna go over or you know i wonder how that's gonna be used because you know you only saw it for like five seconds so it's hard to like you said it's hard to be uh properly contextualized um i am looking forward to mario i am looking forward to seeing um you know the game and I am very curious because this this to me seemed like a like a kind of an unusual move for Nintendo. So I wonder um, if this is just the beginning of something more or was this their one token effort? I mean, who knows? We'll find out more. I just thought it was interesting to bring it up. Um, other things in the banter. Just a heads up that Ego makes Belgian style waffles now in the freezer section. <laughs> have you seen these, Corey? No, I haven't had waffles. I love <clears throat> waffles, but I have not had waffles. And gosh, it's probably been like a year plus at this point well i love waffles too um i don't order them very often because i don't know if it's like this where you are but around here you get ripped off when you order waffles in a restaurant because if you order pancakes in a restaurant you get pancakes and you can get like eggs and bacon and hash browns all that stuff thrown in for like one prize it's like the pancake breakfast very common in any any breakfast restaurant around here you order waffles and you get a waffle you don't get shit with it. And so, like, I never want to order the waffle because even though I like them, you don't get anything with it. It's like all that stuff is extra. And I don't know why people make a big fucking deal about the... I mean, it's literally the same thing. The batter is the same. You cook them slightly differently, but that's it. It's, like, basically the same amount of batter. Like, it's not like you get, like, a, a waffle that's, like, ten times the size of a pancake. It's, like... And sometimes it's less than what you get. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't order waffles, but I like waffles. And so, I'm in... Uh, the grocery store, and I'm like, wait a minute. I see these shitty Eggo waffles that are always here that I don't really like, but what's this? This is like a shitty Eggo waffle that's like bigger. It's like the size of a Belgian waffle. Probably <laughs> equally shitty, but I'm going to try it. And you know what? It's actually not terrible. It's not, it's nowhere near being like what a Belgian waffle is, but it's bigger, it's thicker than your traditional shitty Eggo toaster waffle. Uh, and if you get the cinnamon flavor, I, that's not right. It's like cinnamon sugar or whatever, cinnamon blast or some shit like that. It's actually pretty good. You can eat it just on its own and it has enough flavor where you don't feel like you're just eating like dough or whatever. Um, you know, it doesn't replace a real waffle, but it's pretty nice. And I, I eat them like in the morning, like when I've only got five minutes before I got to leave the house, you can toast one up real quick. 
And it tides you over for a little while. It's not bad. So I, I still don't like Eggo waffles, but these Eggo Belgian waffles are not completely terrible. So just heads up to people out there <laughs> in case you want like something a little bit different for breakfast. Um, finally, uh, last bit of banter. Uh, I just watched a movie this weekend, Godzilla from 2014 you know that i love big robots and big monsters and the kind of like you know action extravaganzas i'm down with those kind of movies i love those um those are usually the kind of bring up when we talk about them on the show have you seen godzilla 2014 or are you in any way shape or form a godzilla fan uh i have never been into godzilla nor have i ever been into like king kong or really anything like that i'm familiar with the movie because this is the movie that gareth evans directed right before he got handed rogue one is that correct correct sir correct absolutely but i have not seen it but i know you know what it is but i yeah i probably never been interested enough to watch something like that so unfortunately it's probably not on my list of things to watch but i do i am uh, familiar with it well we ended up picking it up ironically because we were really wanting to watch um kong skull island which i talked about a couple episodes ago and it came packaged it was like i wanted to rent kong but you could not rent it you could only buy it and it was like you could buy it for i don't know x amount of dollars and if you kicked in like three dollars more you could get godzilla with it and i'm like well i've never seen godzilla i like godzilla in general um but i didn't hear much about this one i didn't have a big you know i, I wasn't like jones in to see it but I did want to see Skull Island, which actually ended up being a badass movie. So I'm like, well, yeah, it's fine. I'll kick in the three extra bucks. We'll get the Godzilla. We'll watch it sometime. So we watched it this weekend. I got to say, it was actually pretty good. It was a little bit long at two hours. But then again, it seems like every fucking movie these days is two hours, which I think <laughs> for a lot of movies is just straight up too long. Like, I don't I don't need like two point, you know, two point five hours or two point two five hours of movie. It's a long time. It's a really long time. Uh, they could have cut this down to be 90 minutes. It would have been fine. But even at two hours, it was okay. Basically, I mean, it's Godzilla. What am I supposed to say? It's Godzilla. Giant <laughs> lizard shows up, wrecks some shit. At the same time, there are these giant <laughs> bugs that he's fighting. And they just they beat each other up. They run around the city. It was kind of neat because um, the special effects were really, really good. I thought Godzilla looked great. I know some people said he was too thick and too fat. And I'm like, you know... Leave that girl alone. He is doing him. <laughs> He's happy with his body. Just leave him the fuck alone. Love those hips is what I got to say. Um, I thought he looked fine because you know what? For being a giant lizard, he's okay. he's entitled to have a few extra pounds on. He looked good. Uh, the bugs look pretty cool. Uh, they reminded me a little bit of the bugs from Starship Troopers, which slightly too close of a resemblance, although not exactly, but they still look kind of cool. Uh, and they just ran around and they just fought, punched each other and bit each other. And it was really neat. Um, the scale was really nice. Like you really got a sense that these were really large monsters, which is cool in a movie like this. And they had this like kind of, um, subplot with the main character who was actually the guy that played Quicksilver in the Avengers movie. I don't know what his name is, but it's, it's interesting because my wife told me this. Um, the one Olsen sister, who's not the anorexic weirdo, what is her name? There's like the, uh, the twins. Olsen. Yes, she's like the semi-normal one because the twins are all weirdy, freaky deaky. But she's the one who's like still acting and kind of like you know fairly like well-adjusted from what I can tell. She was she was Scarlet Witch, and this guy was Quicksilver in the Avengers movie. They're both in Godzilla, and he's the husband and she's the wife. So they play brother and sister in one movie, and they play husband and wife in another movie, which is kind of weird to me. 
Um, but so they got paired up again for some reason. And it's basically like this guy is trying to get home to his wife and kid. And he's just like going through all these crazy adventures at the same time that Godzilla and these bug monsters are like fucking shit up. So it was kind of cool. Like they would cut, they'd, they'd cut to the guy and he's like narrowly escaping death. And then they cut back to Godzilla who's like whipping his tail around and, you know, screaming and knocking buildings over and stuff. I mean, it's exactly what you think it would be, but I thought it was really well done. It looked great. The action scenes were really cool and uh, just overall just really solid. Like very, very solid. I would be very uh, excited if they announced a sequel to that. I heard they might be making one. I haven't heard anything for a while. And since it's been like three years, I mean, who knows if it's still in the hopper or not. But yeah, good. And as a fan of um, this kind of movie, I got to say it's been a good couple years. I mean, Pacific Rim came out and blew my mind, which was amazing. Uh, Skull Island was awesome. Godzilla ended up being really good. I mean, it seems like it's a good time to be a big monster and robot fan. So I am pleased. Um, I'm sure this is not on your list, as you said. Uh, but this ends my banter. And I'm sure you've probably got some movies to talk about yourself, don't you? I do. I have a double bill to talk about uh, for my banter. I saw... Actually, it could be considered a triple bill because I saw three movies over the past week. And one of them was so good that I saw it twice in the theater over the Whoa. past week. Yeah. So let's talk about... I want to talk about Dunkirk first. So I saw Dunkirk, which is uh, Christopher Nolan of Batman Begins and the trilogy fame and Inception and Interstellar fame. Um, his newest movie called Dunkirk is out. And as you might expect, it is about Dunkirk during World War II um, and about like the different factions of soldiers that are on the beach um and i gotta be honest with you dude i don't know jack shit about dunkirk i mean i know that i've seen the trailer but like i don't know anything about it from the war or real life or anything is this an actual real story this is an actual real story and i to be honest with you i don't really know that much either because i mean i haven't i i'm the worst whenever it comes to like american history and world history but um so i probably should have brushed up on this a little bit but Basically, Dunkirk is where a bunch of different factions of soldiers, like French soldiers and British soldiers, were kind of pushed to um, Dunkirk, which is like a beachfront area. And they were trying to get rescued by sea from uh, boats from their like home country area. And it was kind of like a turning point for the war. Like, if they were rescued, then they were likely to win. And if they weren't rescued, then things would have ended in an entirely different way. But um, the movie, the, the interesting thing about the movie is that it's not really here to like teach a history lesson, um, as you can tell, because I didn't come out of the movie knowing a ton more than I did going in. Um, <laughs> very, and, like, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not like a, like a big war epic that's about, you know, like the whole World War II and about like, you know, all the, you know, British soldier commands and the hierarchy of, you know, the army and everything. Like, it's totally not about that. And, uh, but I, I like I've been hearing nothing but amazing things about this movie because it seems like Christopher Nolan can do no wrong, even though I personally did not like Interstellar at all. Um, I do like um, uh, Inception quite a bit. I think that movie's fantastic. And I think the first two Batman movies are good. I did not like The Dark Knight Rises, but that's, uh, you know, that's a different discussion. Um, but Dunkirk, um, it's basically about three different storylines happening. It's like you have the the land battles you have the sea battles and you have the air battles and it centers around different uh groups of people that fight in each of those areas and 
the the sea the sea battle is kind of like about um, the the British uh, special forces or army or whatever they're called like requisitioning um, uh, civilian boats to use to take uh, to go try to pick up the soldiers and save them and there's a family there's a guy an older gentleman and two of his sons and they're probably like 15 to 17 years old and they leave the port even though they're supposed to be requisitioned to just take off to try to get uh, over to Dunkirk as as quickly as they can to try to save people even though they're in this little like civilian boat it's like a double-decker boat so it's got like a you know a bathroom and a bedroom and everything underneath um the the deck I guess if you will I don't know anything about boats um but like part of the story is about them and their journey going over and they pick up a guy who is sinking on a u-boat on the way over there um and so he's like he's like a soldier that was trying to come back from Dunkirk or something and he's like really shell-shocked and kind of uh like not in his right mind because he's been you know in the middle of war for a while and his boat went down and then the air battle is Tom Hardy and and two other guys in like fighter jets and they're trying to fly to get there to try to protect the soldiers on the beach. And then the land part is about these like younger soldiers that were probably like maybe like 20 or so years old. And it's kind of a group of them trying to do whatever they can to get to the beach and get to the boats and try to escape and get, you know, back across to to go home basically. But the sort of, like, interesting thing about it is that um, this, and this isn't really, it's not used as, like, a twist, which I like. Um, The movie is very slightly told in non-chronological order. So, like, you have different sequences that happen where it'll be, like, Tom Hardy in the plane, like, doing a fighter jet battle, and then it'll be, like the boys on the beach, like, trying to break into this giant boat so that way they can try to get back home. Um, or, like, tag a ride on the boat. But, like, none of it necessarily happens in order. But it's... And it's not done in a way that's, like, super confusing to, like, keep you guessing. Kind of like Memento, like, one of Christopher Nolan's earlier movies. Like, it's not like that where it's, like, a like a big twist or a big plot thing. It's just, like, told and I don't know, just in, like, a segmented way, which I actually applaud as far as you know, um, experimental storytelling goes. But my problem with the movie is that it doesn't really, like, it doesn't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, you don't really get attached to any of the characters, and there's not really, like, a big, because it's not told in chronological order, there's not, like, a very definite, like, here's the beginning, here's the middle, here's the end. So it's one of those movies where it kind of feels like it could end at any point. And for the last, like, 30 minutes of the movie, I kept thinking, like, okay, this has got to be the last scene. This has got to be it. And then, like, another scene would happen. I'd be like, okay, this is this has got to be it, right? This is it. And then, like, another scene would happen. And I was like, okay, like, when when is this movie going to wrap up? Like, it's just, like, it's not happening. Um, and there's almost no dialogue in the movie. It's all mostly sound effects. Really, really well done. The sound design in this movie is fantastic because that's basically all the movie has going for it. It's all, like, gritty sound effects and the score and you know, the stuff happening on screen. Um, But I just kind of came out of it, I mean, not really thinking it was, like, super amazing. Like, I keep thinking about it, but I don't know that I... Like, I don't think I would ever watch it again. And I don't... Like, I think it's a good, very interesting take on, like, a uh, a factual war movie. But it's not, like... I mean, it's not like any other war. I don't, I don't really watch a lot of war movies, I guess, so I can't really offer like a direct comparison, but it's just so different than anything I've seen because the movie's not interested in telling the same kind of story that a lot of other 
movies are telling and it's kind of better for that and it's also kind of worse for that and i just i don't know i feel like i keep uh like not quite knowing where to land on it i guess interesting interesting i i have not seen many of nolan's films so i don't really have um my like my take on christopher nolan films so i can't speak to that really but uh, I'm not huge on war movies or World War II or anything like that. So this is kind of like already not in my wheelhouse. And from what you're describing, it sounds like even more not in my wheelhouse. So <laughs> I'm probably probably going to pass. It's like, you know, I only I, I watch very few movies, probably a lot less than the average person. So I got to be really choosy. And if it doesn't seem like something that's right up my alley, I'm going to pass. So I think I'm going to pass on this one. But you, you mentioned you saw other movies uh, this weekend. What else was on the docket? I saw the movie Atomic Blonde twice over the past week. Uh, It opened on... This is actually a lie, because I did see it the first time before our last show. I saw it last Thursday, not like the Thursday that was a couple nights ago, but like the week before that, because it came out two Fridays ago, and I saw the first showing I possibly could at Thursday night at 7, like a week and a few days ago. And then Patrick wanted to see it when he got in town, so we went and saw it. Uh, I guess it was yesterday afternoon. Um, and Atomic Blonde is the new movie with Charlize Theron where she plays a, like a British MI6 agent during the Cold War in 1989. And she goes to Berlin whenever the Berlin Wall was still up. And she's trying to investigate a list of... There's like a list of every uh, sort of like secret agent in several uh, departments, uh, different international departments that's being enclosed in this little watch there's like a like a microfilm and a watch and uh an mi6 agent has it he gets murdered by the kgb and then they send her over uh during the middle of the cold war to basically retrieve it and figure out what's going on and she's in it and james mcavoy is in it and uh sophia butella who is the chick with prosthetic legs from the kingsman movie is in it yeah yeah she's cool um yeah, I really like her, and she she's pretty good in the movie, even though her character is kind of a throwaway character, but I still really like her. Um, but basically, this is kind of like, it's directed by, um, there were two guys that directed the first John Wick movie, and after John Wick came out and was like a massive, a massive success, uh, one of the directors went on to do John Wick 2, which, you know, surprise, surprise, the other director went on to direct this movie, so... It's got a lot of the same sort of John Wick vibes going on. Oh, uh, the God. color palette. Well, hold what? on. I'm going to I'm gonna explain this in a second. Because I like Atomic Blonde a lot, and I do not like the John Wick movies. So okay, okay. there's Keep definitely talking. something good Keep going talking. on here. Um, so it, it has a lot of the same, like, visual themes that... Uh, and, like, color palette, sort of, that the John Wick movies have. Because there's... Uh, and it almost gets to a point where it's kind of annoying, where, like... You know, her like her hotel room in Berlin, for example, it's like neon pink and neon blue. So like every time she's in there, like half of her face is lit pink and half of her face is lit blue. And she'll like go to a nightclub and it'll be like green and yellow and like half of her face will be green and the other half will be yellow. And it gets really repetitive and kind of annoying, but it definitely establishes establishes like a visual aesthetic. You know, it's very 80s because the movie takes place in the late 80s. Um, and uh but the, the thing that, before I talk about the good stuff, the thing that annoys me the most about it, other than the fact that it's trying too hard to be too stylish, because it definitely has that, like, vibe, you know, where she's in, like, a morgue in one scene, and it's, like, very spectacularly lit, like, neon yellow and neon green, and I'm like, okay, in like, can we morgue, this down? Are you kidding? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's just, like, that kind of thing, where, like, the oh, cinematography Jesus. is just, like, a little bit too over the top. And the other thing that I find annoying is that it does the same thing that 
that's like this big trend in movies right now where basically it kind of seems like the music, uh, the composer and the music coordinator like picked out a bunch of songs and then they're like, okay, let's find a way to make scenes work around these songs. Cause like Suicide Squad did it. And I believe Baby Driver, which I haven't seen, but it's out right now, does the same thing where it's like every scene is basically like in service of some kind of like 80s new wave song that's being covered by somebody so it's like the amount of like music cues in this movie is like way over the top and it's something that i'm like not like this is a trend that i'm not on board with at all but the good news is that it is a movie about charlie's theron kicking dude ass like hardcore and and it's the reason why it's so much better than John Wick to me is because John Wick is nothing more than watching Keanu Reeves shoot people for two hours, which I think is incredibly boring. It feels like watching uh, like a, somebody play a third-person shooter video game, which I don't like watching people play video games, and I don't like watching a movie that feels like I'm watching someone play a video game. But Atomic Blonde has a lot more plot. It's a very much like a gritty spy movie where it's like she's trying to get to the bottom of shit and it's there's a bunch of factions involved and there's like double crossing and triple crossing and like, you know, all this really confusing like spy stuff going on. But most of the combat in it is hand to hand, which I'm all for because it's like her like punching dudes and kicking dudes and like using like a, a pan, like a cast iron pan on the stove to like throw it at a dude's face and like opening a freaking freezer on a, on a refrigerator like into a guy's face and like jumping out windows and it's oh my god it's so good and there's a there's a one take fight sequence right in the middle of the movie that is so oh god it's so good that I thought I was going to like hyperventilate from breathing so heavily in the middle of the movie the first time I saw it because it's so well done and I cannot recommend this movie enough it has some issues which i've already covered but overall i mean i am a million percent here for watching charlie's theron kick a bunch of dudes and shoot them in the head and kick a bunch of ass it's so much better than john wick bullshit interesting interesting i have not seen this film but i work with a uh, a lady who does some mma fighting and so whenever she talks about fighting or stuff i'm always kind of paying attention to what she says uh, not pro or anything. It's like local, local stuff, you know? Um, and she went to go see this and she was telling me about it. She's like, she did not like it at all. And I was like, Oh, I thought this was going to be your jam. And she's like, Oh, totally not enough fighting. So, I mean, one person says not enough fighting. You say like, there's great fighting. I mean, that's weird. I mean, how many fight scenes were there? Was the whole movie or was it, uh, just a couple good ones? I mean, it's like a handful of good scenes. I mean, it's definitely not, like a full-fledged action movie and i think that might be problematic because it seems like the movie was billed as like a she's going to be kicking ass 100 percent of the movie but a lot of it is like the spy thriller stuff and um you know her networking and her trying to solve the mystery and trying to figure out like who's good and who's bad and who she can trust but i mean there's still like I mean, shit, there's, I mean, the one take fight sequence in the middle of the movie is like 20 minutes long. So that's like a really long fight sequence. There's a, there's one, there's like a car chase fight sequence. There's, uh, I can think of another one off the top of my head. There's one at the end of the movie. So, I mean, there's at least like four or five, like really good fight sequences, which I mean, that maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you consider that one of them blends a one take fight sequence that goes from a staircase in like a building into a car chase that lasts like 20 minutes. I mean, that's a big chunk of the movie. And I mean, I don't know. I will take 
a few good fight scenes over like a lot of mediocre fight scenes, I guess. But I mean, I can understand where she's coming from because it's not 100% an action movie, but I still highly recommend it. I think it's perfectly fine just the way it is. Interesting, interesting. I think I think that was maybe another thing she mentioned, and you kind of touched on this, was she was saying that from the commercials, she, she felt like she was led to believe it was more of an action movie. And she said like a lot of time, I mean, she felt like, they spent a lot of time like on, you know, parts of the plot that she didn't think were very interesting. So maybe it's just a matter of expectations. You know, maybe you expected more of a spy thriller. She expected more of a, you know, like you said, just Shirley staring, kicking ass. But we'll see. <laughs> I'm uh, probably not going to see this one in the theater. I may catch it, you know, for rent or something when it comes out. But uh looks OK. It looks OK. I'm not super sold, but I would be willing to give it a chance. So we shall see. Thank you for that report, kind sir. Anything else on your banter or, uh, or are you ready to move on to games? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about going to the shooting range, but it's not really something I'm super interested in talking about unless you're interested in hearing me talk about it. Well, were there guns? Did you pull triggers? Did things explode? Uh, nothing exploded unless you're talking about like the bullet and the shell casing coming out of the gun. But I did pull a lot of triggers on a lot of different <laughs> guns. <laughs> I was like, I was thinking like maybe you set up some like watermelons or I don't know, like. I actually have never been to like an official shooting range. I know you got those little paper targets that you always see people shooting on TV, but I was like, oh, well, you're in New Orleans. I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe you got something different. You're shooting crawdads off a fence. Or who knows what you're doing? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Shooting Mardi Gras beads. What do you want? Just shooting regular old targets? Yeah, it's just uh, paper targets that were on posts in the ground. It was an outdoor range with these like steel feet that you just put these big target posts in and then you can like tape up or uh adhere whatever targets you want over them and that's that's pretty much it well that's cool what made you uh, go out to the range is something to do or just uh felt had some aggression you had to get out or what <laughs> well i uh i used to shoot guns like kind of just like recreationally every once in a while a lot whenever i was in college and i haven't done it in probably like four years and one of patrick's coworkers uh named weston who I, because uh, Patrick and Weston hang out a lot because they work together and they're in the exact same department. I think there's only like three or four people in their department and there are two of them. Um, I've slowly been getting introduced to Weston uh, recently. Like we went out to dinner, the three of us went out to dinner together like a month ago. And then we went out for drinks, like, I don't know, a, a, like a week or two after that. And so Patrick had told Weston, like, oh, you guys, you and Corey should go do something while I'm out of town because, uh, you know, I'm going to be out of town for three weeks and I'm sure, you know, he's going to be bored and want something to do. So um, I ended up, so that's what I did. And uh, Weston actually does, like, some, like, very light competitive shooting. So, and he's from Texas, so he's very, like, you know, into, like, guns and competitive shooting. But he's very, um, you know, like liberal i guess is the best way to put it he's not some like you know backwoods confederate flag swinging you know guy who owns like 50 guns he's he he owns a handful of guns but um he's not like the person you would think he is when i tell you that he owns a lot of guns and does shooting competitions but basically long story short we went to the gun range together that was a lot of words in order to say that simple thing um, well okay went to the gun range triggers were pulled bullets were shot <laughs> No Waller Melons exploded, but I guess, man, there's always next time. So, okay. All right, man. Uh, is that going to wrap it for your uh, the bant? The banting this week? Uh, I think so. We've been, we're deep. We're deep in it, Brad. Do you want to talk about some games? Yeah, let's talk about some games. Shall I just jump in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, uh, l let me just do a very tiny housekeeping before we get into this. Um, 
I have been a very bad podcast co-host this week, and I literally only played like one game this week because uh, I was busy not prioritizing game playing. So Brad's going to carry the weight on the show a little bit. He's got a couple games to talk about, and I've got a game to talk about. Um, so we're not talking about like, you know, four or five or six or seven games like we sometimes do on shows, but we've got a little bit of discussion to have on three. And Brad, I will let you take the lead on what you want to talk about first. All right, cool. So since we've got fewer games, we can do like a little bit more of a deep dive here. So feel free to like interrupt and ask questions and let's just go for a more organic kind of thing tonight. <laughs> As uh, opposed to our very stilted and very structured discussions that we always have, right? The usual. Yeah, the usual. <laughs> All right. So I'll jump into it. Uh, people who listened to last episode, the mid-year GOTY check-in. Uh, one game that got brought up a couple times was Late Shift, which is an FMV game. And it was actually uh, on my list as well, just to, to, to check out. Not that I've played it already, but it was one that I wanted to play before the end of the year, like on my, my notable list. And since it had gotten voted so many times um, from our listeners, I was like, oh, you know, I just finished uh, the Neo DLC. Like I said, I was done with that. I washed my hands of it. And I had, you know, my, my, my plate was clear. And I'm like, I, this is a good time to take it on. Since, you know, most FMV games are pretty short, I figured I could knock it out real quick, which is exactly what happened. Um, so Late Shift is developed by, I guess, Control Movie. It's CTRL Movie, uh, published by Wales Interactive, released April 18th of this year, 2017, on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And thank you very much for the notes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. Also in the notes, written by Michael Robert Johnson who was one of the five writers for uh, <laughs> Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. Did you see that movie, Sherlock Holmes, the one by Guy Ritchie? I did not. It was not good. Oh. Uh, it was really not good. It was not good at all. I, some interesting bits, and of course, Robert Downey Jr. always brings a certain panache to any role that he's in, but uh, I don't have a lot of respect for Guy Ritchie as a director. So when I read that note, I was like, ugh. But luckily, uh, this, movie, yeah. this this game actually turned out to be pretty good. Um, and to be fair to Mr. Johnson, whenever you have multiple writers, that is a very, very problematic sort of thing. Um, tangent, real quick, tangent. Um, the first book that I ever published, I actually co-wrote with someone who had been published multiple times. Um, good friend of mine who uh, will remain unnamed because that's the way they oh, want dear. it. Uh, but they have written, I think, six or eight books. And uh, so they're a much more experienced author than I am. And I thought maybe like co-writing with this person would be a good way to get my feet wet. But after doing that experience, I was like, oh, God, I'm never doing that again, because (laughs) it's just it's so tough to like get your vision out when someone else's vision is not exactly your thing. I mean, even partners who are are in sync with each other will always have these variances and these differences. And then it's like, well, who wins? And then if your thing wins, then it changes everything that they're thinking. And if their thing wins, then your whole thing is screwed. So. It's really difficult to do team writing. I know that there are some successful pairs out there, uh, but man, they they must be like sharing one mind to do that. Or maybe just one guy just doesn't care what the other one says and they just, you know, work it out or whatever, but difficult. So I want to be fair to Mr. Johnson. Um, I don't mean to say that he's not a good writer just because Sherlock Holmes sucked because it did, but (laughs) it's very possible that he was a good writer then just got drowned out on that film. I want to be very clear that that is very yeah, possible. So. The, and the only reason I put that note in there is because uh, when I went to look up uh, like just factual info on this game, I do want to applaud uh, Control Movie and Wells Interactive because when I went to their website, 
one of the first things on their site was a press kit link. And we've talked about press kits before, how much I love press kits. And I clicked the press kit link. It took me, linked me directly to a Google Drive folder. And I use Google Drive all the time, so I'm really familiar with it. It took me directly to a Google Drive folder. It had like a folder for screenshots, a folder for the trailer, a folder for like the, the game's logos and stuff. And then it had a document that had all the factual information for it. So thumbs up for that. But the only reason I put that in there is because like, Whenever you open like the the fact sheet document, it was literally like the first bullet point for the game. It was like uh, late shift, written by the guy who wrote like Sherlock, Guy Ritchie Sherlock, which is and they had that on like three different bullet points uh, like throughout the whole document. And it wasn't until the third time they mentioned that he wrote Sherlock Holmes until they actually put his name on the fact sheet. And I was like. I feel like that's something, if it's, like, your first selling bullet point for the game, you should at least be, like, hit, like the, this writer, comma, Michael Robert Johnson, comma, who wrote Sherlock, and I was, like, I feel like you're not really celebrating his writing that much. And then, of course, I go to the IMDb page for Sherlock and find that there were actually, like, five people that wrote the movie, so, like, they were telling very much, like, a half-truth there, but that's the only reason I put the note in our show notes, because I thought it was so funny that they were, like, that was, like, the biggest selling point for the game for them. Well, you know, PR has got to spin things however they can spin them. So I'm sure that they wanted to capitalize on that any way they could. And that's, you know, whatever. That's what PR does. I don't really, not too bothered by that. But um, getting back to the game here. So once again, Late Shift. This is a FMV game, full motion video game for people who are not around. Or I guess who were not around in the, I guess, 90s, early, early 90s when these games were popular. Um, It's basically... uh, kind of like quick time events but instead of an actual game engine you are like watching something that has been like literally filmed like they had a lot of actors and they'd you know be acting on sets or sometimes they would have backgrounds digitally superimposed and all those games like 99.9 percent of them at that time in the 90s were garbage they were just awful (laughs) really really terrible and um i just remember those as being just really shit and I was kind of hesitant to jump into those again because I haven't seen any good ones uh, ever. But, you know, we talked about The Bunker on a previous episode. I thought The Bunker was fantastic. Really enjoyed that a lot. And although that was developed by different people, it was published by Wales Interactive. So I was like, well, um, Wales has not had a lot of good picks when it comes to straight up games. But I really like The Bunker a lot. And it seems like they're kind of going that way now. If they picked a good one with the bunker i would be willing to risk a couple bucks on late shift and i'm glad that i did it's actually a really really good game uh basically the story and i'm not going to spoil this but um the story is you control a guy who this is in england he is like a parking attendant he works in some like rich rich person parking lot where there's like all these super fancy like sports cars parked and he's working there at night And then all of a sudden, he sees somebody break into the garage. He goes to, um, you know, figure out what's going on. And then he gets sucked into this, like, caper that's happening. Basically, the guy who breaks into the the garage um, fell off of, like, a rope that he was, like, rappelling down. And he broke his arm. He's supposed to be the getaway driver, right? So he cannot drive because his arm is completely fucked up. So he forces your guy to, like, be the driver. And that's how he gets sucked into this whole scheme. You know, at gunpoint, of course. So that's the beginning, and things just really kind of get crazy from there. It's kind of like one wild night that this guy has, and along the way, you're making all sorts of choices. Um, To back up a little bit, to get back to the FMV part, this game 
it literally looks like you are watching a full budget movie. Like the, the production values are awesome. The performances are really good. Like the editing is really good. They have actual, like they had enough money in the budget to like blow up a couple cars and they got like real sports cars. <laughs> I mean, it looks great. Like as I'm watching this, I'm like, shit, this looks like I'm watching like an actual, you know, maybe not like a triple A Hollywood blockbuster, but definitely like a Netflix original. Like it looks good enough, you know, like it looks really good. So I was very impressed. Um, the guy who plays uh, the lead character, he's... <laughs> I forget what his first name is, but his last name is Sourbottom. And I thought that was so crazy that his last, <laughs> his last name is Sourbottom. If, I was, if, that was, if that was my name, I would change my name because I don't want to be known as Sourbottom. Uh, but he did a good job, too, and it was really nice. So what I liked about it was as you're watching this film i mean you're just sitting there watching this movie occasionally these options will pop up like when they, when you see the guy breaking into the garage it'll be like ignore it or investigate and so whichever way you pick i mean you know kind of like a like a um a telltale sort of game so i just played through as i would i mean i wasn't being myself because i'm a very law-abiding citizen i'm a very you know i i, I am a low risk taker i don't live life on the edge i live life in a safe padded box that's how i like to be <laughs> Um, but in this game, I'm like, well, I'm going to make choices I wouldn't necessarily make. I'm going to see how long I can ride this out. And, you know, at some point as you're in the caper, you can start making choices where you were like kind of into it after a while where you're like, well, I'm in it. I'm in it now. I'm implicated. I might as well, you know, maybe I want to ask for a cut or maybe I want to just play along with what's going on. Like, like these guys who are pulling off this caper, they need help. Are you going to dig in your heels and cause them trouble? Or are you going to cooperate and, you know, help the caper happen? So there's all sorts of these little choices that happen. And of course, you know, double crosses ensue and all this sorts of stuff. I'm not going to, not going to ruin it, but I thought it was really great. I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the twists and turns. I enjoyed the different characters. Um, there are certain scenes that you can get to that you don't always have to go to. So the game is, it's like largely linear because you're always going to have the same like major events happen. Like, I don't think there's ever a way you can like not go on the caper, at least in the beginning. But you can certainly, like, make it shorter, you can make it longer, you can make it more difficult, you can fuck it up certain ways, or you can get away, and I, I just really appreciated the choices, and the editing was really impressive, too, because after I beat the game the first time, I went back, and I started making choices that were different, like, choices that I thought were stupid, but I was like, well, I'm just going to do these to see how the game changes, and I was pretty impressed, I mean, they, sometimes it was just minor, like, a, a little line or two different dialogue, but sometimes you would go to, like, a whole different location, or sometimes, like, like the scene that you just saw would play out in, like, a totally different way. Like, people who were fine in one scene were, like, dead in the next scene. And I'm like, oh, man, they must have re really, you know, filmed each scene, like, three or four, like, different ways. And when you um, make your choice, it's not like there's this giant, like, loading or anything. I mean, there's, like, one or two seconds while the game kind of, like, buffers. Like, you can see people kind of slow down for a second. But it's very smooth. And then it just picks right back up. And if you weren't really looking for it, you probably wouldn't even really notice it. So I thought they did great. Like overall, it feels just like an interactive movie, but in the best possible sense. So I liked it a lot, had a great time with it. And it was really fun too, because my wife was on the couch next to me. And it kind of reminded me of, um, what is that game that was on PS4 where it was like, it had those actors and it was like a murder mystery and you were making choices. Really, really popular last year. You're talking about Heavy Rain? No, after that. No? No, not Heavy Rain. God damn it. What is that game called? It's got, it had the butterfly effect in it. They made a big deal out of it. it was oh, like, Until Dawn. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
it reminded me a lot of Until Dawn. It is not, there's not as much gameplay and it's not as choice heavy as Until Dawn, but my wife and I had a blast playing Until Dawn together, sitting on the couch together. And whenever a choice came up, we would talk about it and like debate and, you know, oh, I don't <laughs> like this person. or I want to see her die. or Oh, no, I like this person. I want to see him saved or whatever. Um, kind of the same vibe here. Like we would be watching it and it's a good enough movie just to watch. Uh, and so she, we'd be talking about like, oh, maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. And like it added like a whole other layer to it. So I really, I thought that was really cool too. Um, I would have, I would have enjoyed it by myself, but it was even better watching with someone else. So it was really good. Uh, very satisfied. I think the first time I beat it, it took me like, well, I don't know. I want to say like, maybe like an hour and 15 minutes or something like not quite like movie length, but it was, you know, it was, it felt good to watch. And then the second time, once I knew what I was doing, I think I got through it in like 45 minutes or something. So, um, pretty good overall. I, I only really have like, maybe like one really negative thing to say about it. And that is this game badly needs a fast forward function. So after I beat the game, I went back, wanted to see some different choices, wanted to make some, some different things happen. You cannot fast forward past the stuff you've already seen. And so when you hit certain scenes, you just have to watch them, which is, it's okay. But it's like, once you know how a thing is going to go, or like, let's say for example, you want to make the same nine choices at the beginning, but you wanted to make your 10th choice different. You have to watch those first nine choices. Like you can't just skip through them. And that was kind of a drag. Like it, it actually did discourage me from going back and going for more of the endings because I just didn't want to watch the same scenes over and over and over. If it had a fast forward, I it would have been phenomenal. I'm kind of disappointed they haven't added that in yet. So that's really my only criticism of it, though. I mean, if you know it's FMV, if you know it's a choice game, if you're not expecting like, you know, a bunch of gameplay because it's just watching a movie. Um, if you know all those things, uh, I think you're probably in for a good time if it sounds like your bag. I mean, I, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, does this seem like something that you would be uh, you would be checking into, Corey? Yeah, I've actually had my eye on this because, like, we talked about the bunker before, and I th I feel like because I was interested in the bunker whenever it came out, but I in the back of my head I kept thinking like, man, I just know and the deepest of like my soul that this game is going to be awful. And then you played it and you really liked it, so that like kind of got me excited about it. And I still haven't played the bunker, but the the themes of late shift seem more like something I'm interested in rather than the story uh, of the bunker. And I keep seeing this game every once in a while and thinking about playing it. And maybe I just, I'm just like secretly using you as like my litmus test for if this game is good or not. And now that you've like given it your seal of approval, then I'll buy it whenever it's on, on some kind of sale or something. Um, but I, I'm definitely interested in it. I want to play it. Hopefully, I will be able to play it sometime in the near future, I hope. You should get around to it. I know that it just stopped being on sale. I mean, I would be very surprised if it didn't go on sale at least one more time this year. Just pick it up. I mean, just, you know, you can blast through it in like two hours or less. I guarantee the first time it'll be like a really cool thrill ride. Um, you know, I, I, I guess they're not going to patch in fast forward because this game has been out for a little while. And I've seen a lot of people asking for it, but I'm not sure, you know, if they are capable of that. I mean, because maybe the, the game is made a different way or I don't know what, but it seems like a pretty, pretty big oversight. I wish they would. But other than that, I think you would really dig it. I think you should pick it up, man. Um, just, you know, maybe you and Patrick could uh, take an hour and a half and just kind of go through it. And I bet you guys really enjoy it. <laughs> so, OK, I do have like one major question, though, about... Um about, I guess, like, the mechanics of the game. So, like, you're playing through it or, like, you're watching it or whatever, um, 
And whenever it comes to like a crossroads decision point, like what happens on screen? Does all of the action just like pause or is it, does it play something on a loop of like the character? Like, I don't know, like shifting his eyes or something like, what does it look like physically? Nothing stops. Like the movie continues and the choices come up and then you have just like a very, very brief window to choose. Like there's a little countdown um, bar that starts full and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then I actually, I think it default picks a choice for you. And if you don't do anything, it'll pick that choice. But if you want to make a different choice, you've got like 10 seconds to make that choice. So you, in fact, I, mean, I guess you might be able to pause if you want to think about it longer. Uh, but we had enough time to make choices as we were going through, but it's very quick. Like nothing stops. The movie just keeps going. You just have to make your choice before that bar runs out because if you don't the the movie will progress how it wants to progress okay okay i guess i i guess that makes sense because that's exactly how like the telltale games do it because every time you have a dialogue option you only have like five seconds or something to respond for some reason in my head i was picturing like every time a choice came up the movie just like freezing and giving you like an unlimited amount of time to make a decision but i guess it not pausing would make a lot more sense given that it's like an actual movie yeah, I mean, I, I kind of would be okay with it pausing because if it's not going to let you fast forward, maybe you want to think about your choices a little bit more carefully. Uh, I mean, I didn't realize there wasn't a fast forward because I wasn't looking for it the first time. But then when I wanted it, I'm like, oh, well, there's not one. So, And then <laughs> and then when I really wanted to think carefully about what I wanted to do, then it felt like there wasn't enough time. So I think the first time you don't really notice it because you're just going with the flow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they pause. But no, it just it just goes. You just have to like really quickly just go for it. Okay, that sounds good then. Keeps you in in the heat of the moment on your decision making. Keeps you on your toes, I guess. Oh yeah, totally. And there's definitely a few choices where like you're sweating it. You're like, oh geez, like I've got like literally three, literally three seconds. <laughs> what do I do? And then uh, you go for it. I mean, thankfully, um, I don't believe there are any game overs until you get to an ending. So it's not like you're gonna be like making you know some fucked up choice five choices in but there's still 20 choices to go and if you die then you got to do those five again and restart it's like it just puts you on a different path so you're going to like get to one of the endings regardless you can see a, you basically the whole thing and if you make the right choices good choices you'll get a couple extra scenes and keep going a little bit longer but you're not going to die like a quarter of the way through the movie and then have to redo that part like it just is like oh you did this <laughs> wrong choice and we're going to do this other thing so it's pretty clever it's very smooth it has a very cinematic feel, which I really, really respect. And I really like that a lot. I just, I think they need to just make like one or two really small concessions because it actually is a game. And so making it just like slightly more replayable would be a big help. But overall, I think they're really on the right track. I like what they've done. I'm very excited um, to see what they're going to do next. Um, apparently this has been uh, at some film festivals or at some interactive uh, media festivals. It seems like it's winning awards here and there. Uh, from my brief cursory look. So hopefully they will be encouraged to keep going uh, because I think this is cool. If more FMV games came out that were of this quality, I would be playing more FMV games. Well, good. Maybe um, this is just a thing that Wales is going to get like on board with after publishing the bunker and this, maybe it's just like a thing that they'll keep doing. I hope so because uh, they, like I said, they did not have very good taste when it comes to actual games but they have picked two winners in a row when it comes to FMV, so hopefully they can make it three. But uh, we shall see, we shall see. But that's all I have to say on uh, Late Shift. Definite uh, good game. Like that one quite a bit. 
Uh, Corey, let's talk about you, man. You've been playing. Uh, you've been playing something. Your one thing that you uh, admitted to playing this week. Uh, tell us all about it, sir. I uh, I played. Okay, so I was looking on the PlayStation just about once a week, maybe or once every two weeks. I'll get on the PlayStation Network on the PS4, and I'll just cycle through the new games. And because you know, not every game that comes out gets um, a lot of advertising or gets any advertising. So I like to see like what little things pop up on the PlayStation the PlayStation Network. And in my opinion, and I might be wrong about this. Um, the PlayStation seems to have a much better indie game presence than the Xbox, uh, Xbox Live and Xbox Store. So I, uh, I was looking through the games, and I saw a brand new game out for only $3.99, and it wasn't on sale. It wasn't some kind of like debut, like PlayStation Plus price, like sometimes they do. It was just full game, $3.99, and I thought, okay, like... Even even if it ends up being shitty, I'm okay with paying four dollars for a new game because that's not something you see every day. Most like baseline prices are I don't know like fifteen or twenty and go up from there. So I downloaded a game called I I hope I'm gonna pronounce the second word in this title right. Um, it's called Leaving Lindau, I think. Um, maybe Leaving Lindo. Uh, I'm gonna say Lindau. I don't really know the proper way to say it, but um, it is by a developer called East Shade Studios, and they didn't have a publisher listed on their fact sheet, so I'm just going to assume that they published it too. Um, and they're actually located in Bellevue, Washington, which is, like, really close to you, right? Yeah, it's, like, 20 minutes away from my house. There's actually a shitload of developers in Bellevue, which is also world headquarters for Microsoft, and also there's uh, a Nintendo headquarters as well. So Bellevue is the place to be if you are in games, games publishing, games development, or electronic stuff. Lots of uh, <laughs> that stuff in Bellevue. Well, this uh, this came out on February 8th of 2017 um, for PC. And it must have come out later than that on PS4 because it was on the new page, like, pretty close to the top uh, recently. But I didn't see the release date for it. Um, I might not have been looking hard enough. But either way, it came out in February for PC. And I think it came out, like, within the last week or two for PS4. Um it is a uh, first-person narrative adventure game, which, you know, is 100% my bag. Uh, it is a game about you play as a young woman named Clara, and she lives in this very, like, whimsical um, sort of forest community. It really, like, the, the visuals reminded me a lot of the first Fable game, because it seems kind of like... Uh, like, the people that live in this forest aren't exactly, like, human-human. They're just, like, a little bit different. Some kind of, like, whimsical, like, human-like creature. And she lives in this, in this like, kind of forest uh, community. Very kind of fairy tale like almost. And she is making her final goodbyes and making her rounds in kind of the forest village before she leaves on some kind of, like, sea expedition thing. And the thing that I like about this game is that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I like about it, but one of the things that I really like about it is just from like a marketing standpoint, the game like straight up tells you like on the PlayStation 4 store and on like the press kit and on the game website that it's a short game. I mean, they're literally like, this is about an hour long experience. And I really like whenever developers are just like straight up about like, hey, this is our short game. We hope you enjoy it. Not a game that's like, oh, it ha it'll give you hours and hours and hours of gameplay, like, because not everybody wants that. So that that was good for me, $4 for an hour-long experience. I was more more than happy to pay that for it. Um, but, I mean, basically, you wake up in your bedroom. It's first person. Uh, you're in, like, the second-floor loft area of your family house. You walk downstairs. 
Um, well, there's like some stuff in your bedroom that you can read. There's like a letter, her acceptance letter into this like, um, this like sea exploration sort of uh, unit thing. I guess I can't, I can't really describe how to how to say it very well. Sea exploration, um, like she's gonna go be like on a boat. Yeah, yeah, like a boat. Um, and uh, and she, you can like walk downstairs, and like your mom is in the kitchen cooking. You talk to her for a minute, and the game doesn't have voice acting. You just read the text, but the characters make like little noises, kind of like in a Zelda game or something like that, where you know they might make like a sigh noise whenever you click on them, and then like you read their dialogue. And every person you talk to has different, some different dialogue choices you can talk to them about. But you like explore the house. You have to get your shit together and get it packed to go on the trip. And then once you're packed, you can go explore different areas of the village. And it's basically just like a handful of really kind of small um, cordoned off areas of the village. Like in one section, you go and visit a farm. It's like your uncle's farm and you go visit him. And I think you talk to you like play a little mini game with your cousin and then you talk to your uncle, and he has certain thoughts about you going wait, on the wait, expedition. Back up, back up. You play a quote-unquote mini-game with your cousin? Do tell. Yeah, it's Do like, tell. Well, it's like, I mean, there's a handful of like little mini-games over the, over the course of the game. And you don't have to play them, but they just give you like some little fun things to do. Like, you go to visit his farm, and you go into his house, your uncle's house, and then he like comes in and you have a brief conversation about some stuff and he has some opinions about the expedition that you're going on. And I'm not going to say anything about his opinions here, but he has some things he wants to talk with you about. And, um, you go outside and like, I think it's your cousin. I'm assuming it's his child, like a young cousin. It might just be someone in the village. Um, but they're, they have uh, it's like a young guy. I think it's a guy. Maybe it's a woman. doesn't matter. It's a young <laughs> child. And cause, cause they look, they look a little weird. Like they all have, um, a piece of fabric that covers their mouths, like some kind of like mouth guard thing. Like, and I mean, like it goes like ear to ear. It's like a piece of fabric. And I don't know if the developers did that because like animating mouths is hard or if <laughs> it was just like a certain, like. I mean, I mean, they don't even have voice acting in the first place. So it's not like they would be moving their mouths. So I don't know if like they can't draw lips or they can't draw mouths or if they just wanted to like use that as some sort of like, you know, whimsical character thing. But I mean, it's kind of beside the point, but uh, like your your cousin, for example, is out in the garden playing, and it's this really beautiful garden. And uh, it basically just plays this little mini game where he's playing with his little ships. He's got these little boats, like that. He's kind of like you know sailing, quote unquote, in the dirt in the garden. And he's like, "Oh, some of my passengers fell overboard. Like, will you help me find them?" And you have to like run around the garden with him and look for these little figures, these little figurines oh, that are everywhere, instead of like rescue that's them. That's disappointing. So, this totally sounded like the setup for like a yeah, like a farmer's daughter joke or something, you know? Like, oh, I went and played games with my farmer's daughter's cousin or something, you know? Like, never mind. That, I thought it was gonna be a lot juicier <laughs> than it was, but that totally did not go the direction I was hoping for. So no, that was not juicy at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Anyway, I, I should have figured they were not gonna go that way. That's fine. Anyway, so you you walk around, you do these mini games, and I'm assuming there's like what a lot of text you're reading. I mean, is it is it just like a walking sim? It sounds like there's a couple puzzles and stuff in here. I mean, there's a couple little puzzles. Like there's the mini game where you find the the dolls in the garden. And then there's one where there's like uh, these like chime things in the forest and you have to play a certain melody on the chimes from memory. And you don't have to do this, but it's like something you can do if you want to. Um, and 
you know, there's just like, there's an area where you're in like a tea house and you can go talk to different people. And it's like some of your classmates from the school you were in. And there's like a guy who was a, one of your research partners who the game sort of leads you to believe that maybe they had a relationship together or maybe like he had a crush on you or something like that. And I mean, really, there's not a lot of of meat to this game. And I'm, a, I'm not saying that as a mean thing because I'm actually okay with that. Like, there's really not a lot of dialogue, but the dialogue that is there is very to the point and it's very it gets across what it needs to get across and like the dialogue choices that you give the people in response like you have maybe one to four dialogue choices at any given point whenever it comes to that position with somebody and like they all um you know were good like i was able to find one in there that i thought was interesting because sometimes it'll be like you can be kind of like the smart ass or you can be like nice or you can be um maybe a little bit confrontational but something that I like about this game is that it's just like, it's just like a nice game. It's just like friendly and it's not about like, you know, solving a murder or like fighting with people or it's just like about, you know, making your rounds, uh, saying your goodbyes, sort of getting enough backstory from the conversations that people have with you to get a pretty good gist of what's going on, but not know like, concretely everything about Clara's past. And I appreciate that because I like a little bit of mystery in my games. I don't need everything spelled out for me. Um, and then you just kind of pack your stuff up and you go on the journey. And that's really the whole game. I mean, it doesn't sound very substantial and it's not very substantial. I beat it in 37 minutes and I did just about everything I could in the game. I talked to everybody I could um, I did, you know, the little mini games that I could. I mean, I'm sure this game could be beaten in like 20 minutes if you're just, you know, going for it. But, um, you know, I really liked it. I love the setting. It's really whimsical. It's really pretty. Um, it's, uh, it feels comfortable. It feels warm. The music is really nice. The music really sells the, the sort of like whimsy that the game is going for. I hate, I've said the word whimsical like 15 times already, but that's just like the best word that I can think of to describe this game. Um, well, let me, let me ask you that, man. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but as I'm listening to you talk about it, I, the question that pops up in my mind is like, what did you, I guess, you know, and don't spoil anything by any means. Cause you know, it's so short. I mean, that would be like a terrible crime, but like, what did you take away from it at the end? I mean, did you feel like it taught you something did you feel like the developers had something very specific they were trying to convey? Was it more about the developers wanted you to just get to know this one character? I mean, was there some kind of like message that you that you you gleaned from like at the end of this? Like when you sat back after credits rolled and you just kind of like, you know, reviewed what you just did and took it all in. I mean, was there like a mood? I mean, how did you feel or like what did what did it what kind of journey did it take you on? Well, the message that I think the game is trying to get across and the message that I got out of it is it's very much sort of like a coming of age, like making your own destiny message about like, you know, I, I have, I, as Clara, as the game's main character, main character, you know, have, have worked really hard to get where I am and I'm about to set off on an adventure that is very risky and it's very dangerous and not everybody in the village community necessarily agrees with the fact that I was chosen or that I want to live this life and go on this expedition. But I have to respond to those people in the way that I feel the most comfortable and to let them know that this is what I love and this is what I want to do. And this is what I, how I want to redeem my parents' lives and how I want to express myself. And I've worked very hard to get to this point. And 
and this is the journey that I'm going to make for myself and I'm going to go do it no matter what you guys say. And you can either go about that route being as respectful as possible or you can be slight, you can give people a little bit of pushback if they have a problem with the fact that you're, that this is what you've decided to do for yourself. But it's just, I mean, that's basically what it's about. It's about making your destiny. It's about going forward, um, you know, being sure that this is what you want to do and that you want to do something you love and you want to do something that you've worked really hard to get to uh, for all of your schooling years thus far and just leaving these people behind and loving them and then going off to do what you want to do. So did that connect with you? Like, were you able to like find parallels in your own life? Like, was it speaking to you on some level or were you kind of just taking it in as a like, Oh, this is what the game is telling me, but did, or did it like reach you in some way? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it like reached me. I mean, I definitely appreciate the message it's going for and you know, it struck a tone that I certainly understand, but I mean, I don't know that, I've had any parallels like that where I've, I mean, I guess like going to college could be, you know, kind of like a silly example, like saying goodbye to your parents and going to college and moving out for the first time. Um, but the stakes for this game are much higher because the, the, the sea expedition that she's going on, I mean, it's kind of like an old boat, you know, with big sails. It's not some like fancy submarine. This is very like you know, fairy tale esque And a lot of people in the village are concerned that she might be going off to die because these uh, these sea expeditions are not very safe. They're risky. They're dangerous. And, you know, it's about coming to peace with the fact that maybe what you're doing isn't the safest thing in the world. But if you even if you die and die doing what you love, then it's worth it. And I mean, I don't know if that if I've ever been in that position in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do go do this risky thing. But at least I'm going to die doing what I love. But it's definitely a universal enough message for me to understand it and for it to like strike a chord with me, I think, even if I've never really lived it myself. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, that sounds kind of good. I mean, uh, I'm definitely all up for shorter experiences and especially ones that are focused. I mean, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of room to have a lot of fat on that thing. So, um, yeah, that that sounds interesting. I I looked at it in the PSN store uh, when the sale went up and I, I thought about it. But uh, I think it said in the PSN description something about, like, reading journal entries or something. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't like – I mean, I like to read. Like, I mean, I've – you know, I've, 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 I'm not opposed to reading, but I find a lot of developers, like, lean on it too heavily. And so I, I shied away at the last minute. But hearing you talk about it uh, sounds pretty good. For, like, three or four bucks and for an hour, that sounds like something that's pretty reasonable. I mean, would you recommend it? To anybody, or do you think it would only really click with people like yourself who are more more predisposed to liking, uh, you know, the Walking Sims or the more thoughtful kind of games? Um, I I mean, I would only recommend it to people who know that this is what it is going into. But I also want to make it clear that this is not a game about walking around and reading things. I mean, there's like maybe like four notes in the game that you can read if you want, and each of them is like maybe. 50 words long so you know it takes like 10 seconds to read it or something it's not one of those games where it just puts you in a world and hands you all these documents and wants you to run around and read all of them i mean the meat of the of the game's narrative experience comes from the conversations that you have with people um and i mean you have to read the text because they don't say anything out loud but that's no different than like you know a final fan an old final fantasy game or something so it's definitely not one of those games where it's like i mean there's no audio logs you're not like listening to audio logs there's like a very sparse amount of notes in the game that you read and the notes that you do read are they're very pertinent to what's going on in the game it's not like a 
like flavor text for shit. It's like these are the characters that she's going to be talking to at some point in this adventure, and this might be like a little note that they wrote her or something like that. So it's definitely not that, but I would recommend it to people who are interested in these kind of experiences. I mean, the closest thing I've played to this recently, and this is going to be a big turnoff for you, Brad, but I promise it's better, is a Deliriant that we played, because Deliriant was like a $2 game, and it's the one where you like walk around the house, and oh, there's yes. basically nobody oh, yes. there, and you have to like... But but it's it's better than that because or I mean it's more substantial than that I should say because I liked Delirian and you hated it, but um it, you know it has more going on it has people to talk to it has you know full on character models it has an actual like real story arc that you don't have to like you know walk through a deserted house to try to like very you know piece together as much as you can I mean it's got a very definite uh you know themes and story going on in the game um, i i would recommend this game but i know it's not going to be for everyone so people who are interested in this kind of game like a walking sim that's only like an hour long that sort of tells the kind of story that i was talking about i mean i would definitely recommend it i thought it was i thought it was really lovely to be honest well that sounds pretty nice you know i can i can walk for an hour that's not too bad uh i can i can manage <laughs> that pace so maybe once i uh, have a little bit of an opening here or there maybe i'll try to pop it in so yeah sounds good any last words on leaving lindau uh i don't think so i uh i liked it i i give it two thumbs up if two, as two. long as you know that this is what kind of game it is <laughs> two well lace walking shoes out the door, yes. yes. <laughs> All right, cool. That sounds actually like not a bad thing. I might check that out. Uh, moving on to our last game of the evening. I will be taking point on this one. It is Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun, developed by Mimi Me Productions. And I, th- I want to say they're out of Germany. I could be wrong. I think they're out of Germany. Uh, published by Daedalic Entertainment, released December 6th on pc i'm assuming 2016 and oh no yeah that, and august 1st no that can't be right because it just came out august oh no you're right you are correct i am i am wrong you are right probably the way it always is i am always well, correct. today today is august 7th no you're correct now, yes you are correct so yeah. august 1st ps4 xbox one december 6 2016 <laughs> yes uh Bottom line, it's not that old. It just came out basically <laughs> at the earliest six months ago and at the most recent last week or this week, whatever. Um, okay, before I get into anywhere with this game, I want to say I fucking love this game. This game is <laughs> this game is the shit. It is so good. I like I'm freaking out over how good it is. Uh, because it is so good. It is so fucking good. Like if before anybody hears anything I have to say before they get any further, I want everybody listening to know I am very choosy about my games, as you may have I've gathered over 43 episodes of so video games and all <laughs> the reviews that I write. Uh, this game is fucking dope. It is so good. I'm shocked at how good it is. Uh, I love it. So everything I'm about to say is just like just sugar, sugar, sugar. Really, really good stuff. Um, so what the fuck is it? It is a real-time team strategy game, tactics game, which is played from like an isometric perspective set in feudal Japan. That's a lot of words, and it's not really clear what that means. (laughs) So let me try to break it down. People tell me this is a lot like Commandos, I think, on the PC. I've never played that game, so I don't know if that's correct or not, but people say that's what it's really analogous to. So for listeners out there who have played Commandos, maybe that rings a bell for you. 
Um, so basically, I go, fuck, I love this game so much. Every single thing about this game is like so great. It's uh, you start off with a ninja and he is breaking into uh, Feudal Lord's castle. This is the tutorial level. So they introduce you to like what he can do. He can uh, throw one shuriken. He has one, not a bunch, not a, not a jillion. He has one, one shuriken. He can kill people silently. He can, he's got a grappling hook so he can climb to the roof of some buildings and he can hide. I mean, it's pretty basic. Every, everybody in the game has, I think like four or five abilities. It's not, it's not overwhelming. Um, so you go into this uh, level and they teach you like how the game works. So basically you're looking at this map from the isometric overhead perspective. Uh, the maps are big. Like I, I'm not even sure how to even convey that properly, but like you see them on a screen or something. You're like, Oh yeah, it looks like a whatever, no big deal. But like when you start playing them, you're like, Holy shit. These maps are huge. <laughs> they are really, really big. Um, and the point of it, it's, it's largely stealth game, very, very heavy emphasis on stealth because you can get overwhelmed in a heartbeat. Um, but you know, you have your, your definite objectives and you got to go about those however you can. Uh, the easiest way to describe this, and maybe this might perk you up a little bit, it feels very much like a, like a top-down hitman, almost. Where, like, you have... Oh, jeez. I know, I know. I was like, oh, Corey, I don't, uh, I don't know if you're going to like this, but I think you might like it. Uh, you have a lot of options. Even though you've only got four or five abilities, you can use those abilities in many different ways. And the game is so flexible, you can go anywhere. Even though it's a tactics game, it is not grid-based. You can walk anywhere you want to. And enemies have, they can walk anywhere they want to as well. Everybody like looks around and you can see the view cones of people who are looking. Uh, but the trick is you can only see like one at a time. You cannot have them all turned on. So you kind of like have to manage yourself. Like if there's three or four guys in a courtyard that you need to avoid, I think it's supposed to simulate like the way that a person can focus on one thing at a time. Like it's not possible to be aware of everything in your environment at all times, the way that games let you be. So you, you walk into a place, you see three or four guards, you can focus one guard, you can tell where he's looking, but when you're looking at him, you can't tell where the other guys are looking. So you kind of have to like go back and forth, scope it out a little bit, get a feel for how they're moving, how they're looking, and then find a course that puts you, you know, through the room or behind these guys or to a safe spot or something. So you're constantly scanning the environment. After a little while, you meet um, a samurai and he's got a totally different moveset. So in this game, the characters you have, they're not types like you don't have fighter mage warrior like you have one guy this ninja is a is a guy specific personality the samurai you meet specific personality and they are these one people so whenever you you play a level you cannot have anybody die because the story needs everybody to survive so you cannot lose any characters and the samurai he's like really strong he can take out like a bunch of guys at once if you get them clustered together because he just starts swinging his swords around he can throw like really heavy rocks or push boulders down. He can do sorts of, you know, heavy big guy things. And that's how the game is. Like you eventually get five characters total and each one has a very specific moveset. Uh, and also along with that, they all have their own specific personalities. And so as you go through the game, each level is scripted uh, to tell a story. And I really like how they do it because even though the gameplay is super freeform, super Hitman style gameplay, uh, the writers have done a fantastic job of giving you um, scenarios. Like each scenario is different. Every level I've been to so far has been slightly different. Uh, in one, it's just like, just get into the castle and kill a dude. In another one, it's like you have to assassinate the Lord, but he's like really, really well fortified. So you got to be really super sneaky. Uh, 
in some you're just making your way through a forest i mean each level is different and it changes it up and the other way that the formula gets changed up is that you don't always have five characters like the game will give you a certain number of characters and then you got to make do with what they give you constantly making you um, think in new ways to try new strategies i mean if you always had the samurai guy it would be really easy to like mow down people whenever you got to crowds because he's really tough but he's only in like you know like every third mission like he'll say oh i gotta go back to the castle for so and so you guys go on without me and then he will not be there for that mission you cannot select him so then it's like oh shit i've gotten really used to him bringing the hurt and now that he's not here i got to do something different so it keeps you really fresh really on your toes I like that a lot. Those are some of my favorite designs for tactics teams because it's really easy to like mid-max or to like get a couple of the overpowered classes and just like mow your way through and it gets really boring. But because each situation is different and each character has a different moveset, um, you know, ways that you would have approached uh, a mission with one guy is not an option. So then you have to totally find something else to do. Like for example, um, one of the characters is this old man and he is a sniper, so he cannot carry heavy things. He can't really, like, run. Um, he's missing a leg, so he's kind of crippled, but he's, like, this, like, absolute dead eye, right? If you can get him up on a tower or get him a clear line of sight, like, he will fucking kill dudes from, like, a mile away. So he's, like, deadly, <laughs> but you have to get him in a position. And so sometimes part of, the, part of the challenge will be, like, using your ninjas or your samurai to, like, clear a path so that this guy can get into position so that you can finally you know, snipe your target or whatever. But it's like this, like, really, really multi-layered um, strategy upon strategy. And each map is broken up into little micro sections. So even though you can see a giant map overall, it'll be like, oh, okay, well, I'm in the courtyard. And the courtyard is kind of its own thing. So, like, once I clear out the courtyard, then I can move on to, like, you know, the, the storage house or something. And so you're kind of going through bit by bit. And sometimes the sections overlap, sometimes they don't. And each one has a very different feel for it. Some are very open, some are very narrow, lots of variety, lots of great design, lots of thinking. And I just, I love the characters like so much. Their abilities are so fun. Like it's awesome to like go up on a roof and like throw your fucking shuriken at a guy and then jump down and stab some other dude and then like carry the bodies away and nobody finds you and you feel just like a super badass. And the really cool thing is that again, this is not turn-based. This is all happening in real time. So you might be thinking, well, what the fuck? You've got like multiple guys. How is this working? You can do one guy at a time. And that works for a lot of the time. But sometimes there are certain situations where you've got like two, three, four guys in a room. There's no way that you can kill them all. Like there's just no way. Like you can stab one guy. And in the time it takes to stab this one guy, the other guys are already shooting at you or they're already like on top of you. So there's no way you can do it. Um, they have this thing called shadow mode, which is where you you cycle through your guys you click a button and you say, this is what I want you to do. And then this little like shadow of that character will go and do the action. So you can say, uh, uh, run around this corner, jump on this ledge, jump down and then stab this guy. And then remember that move. And then you switch to a different character and you say, oh, climb up to this tower, uh, get a bead on this one guy and then shoot him. And then remember that move. And you can do that with all your guys. And then once all those moves are programmed, you hit a button and then everybody carries out their moves at the same time. So like, if you get that like properly set up to where like one guy is getting killed and then another guy is getting killed and it all just happens like dominoes, like it is just, it's amazing. Like it feels so awesome. Like you've like orchestrated like all this death happening and these, like no, no alarms go off. No one gets caught. No one gets hurt. And it just, it's like the most phenomenal, like phenomenal feeling. I, I love it so much. Um, I also want to say that the writing 
is top notch, top, top notch in this game. And it doesn't have to be. This is a tactics game. This is um, a stealth game. I don't think anybody would have blinked twice if the script were shit, but it is actually excellent. Um, the main story is about feudal Japan, which side note, like, man, those Japanese dudes, like, all they seems like they ever did was like fight over territory the whole time. Any feudal fucking Japan story is like Lord so-and-so was taking over the Shogunate and so-and-so in this territory. And I'm like, it's usually really boring. I don't like those kind of territory games. And that's what a lot of Japanese games are based on. Uh, but in this particular game, I can actually follow the story. Like, I know who the characters are because there's not too many characters. They take their time to tell exactly what's going on. It's not confusing at all. So, like, if you don't know, like, who the fuck's who in Dynasty Warriors or any of those games where you're like, I just don't care. I just want to kill people. It actually matters in this game. Like, you can really follow what's going on. And the characters are so well written. There's not a lot of dialogue. But kind of like you said with Leaving Lindau, what dialogue is here? Very effective. Like, you you instantly figure out what kind of characters these, these guys are, how they interact with each other. There's a lot of dialogue back and forth. They're constantly talking about stuff in the environment. They're talking about their situation. Um, it's not, you know, a chat fest. It's not, in a, it's not as much dialogue as an RPG, but there is a lot of really quality writing. Like, within one or two levels, I feel, like, super attached to my team. I really, like, know their personalities really well. I, I'm, like, eagerly looking forward to the next thing they're going to talk about because I like how they interact with each other. It's, it's really, 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 really well done. Um... I have some other things to say, but I've talked for like 42,000 years. Um, <laughs> I, I think that this might be your kind of game. I'm going to I'm going to say more about it. But based on what I've said so far, what do you what do you make of this? It sounds like the kind of game that I think would be my jam, but then I would play it and realize that it's like a little bit too dense and a little bit too strategic for me. I don't know if I've ever played a game quite like what you're describing or anything sort of in that wheelhouse and i just don't i don't know i it, it seems like it's going to be the kind of thing like ronin for me where i just know that i'm not going to have the patience for it if i like like fuck up a level and die or if i like try to assemble like the perfect strategy and then i end up like messing it up or something i feel like I might get really irritated with it and it just might be too strategic for me because I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm not, I'm not sure about that because I haven't played it. It's tough to say. I haven't played anything exactly like this either. Although people tell me that this is not like the first of its kind by any means. I mean, apparently this sort of game um, has lived on the PC for, you know, Maybe it's not a huge genre, but there are definitely entries that I've never seen. So, but that's what people tell me. I trust them because people are people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to say this is a very dense game. I mean, it is very dense. It's very, it's very hard. It's hard as fuck. Um, I have it on the easiest setting and I die all the time. Like I'm dying like 50 times in a level or more. Um, the thing that usually gets me is that I'm not seeing one guy who's looking my way like there's so many guards and there's so many people around which to be fair i mean it's kind of realistic i mean you know when you play something like metal gear where there's like one guard and he's basically wearing horse blinders in a warehouse i mean it's not hard to sneak up on guys like that but if you're like in an enemy camp and there's like soldiers all around and there's like you know there's campfires and those are casting light and there's like a commander over here and he's talking to these dudes like it's not a dead zone like there's people all over the fucking place so it makes sense it would be hard to break into 
And it is really hard. Um, I mean, to give you an example, uh, my average completion time for just one level is like between an hour and a half or two hours, probably. Like it's, they're very large. They're very dense. You have to be really careful about scoping out the environment and like, you know, seeing who is going to see you, get rid of those guys so you can move freely. You know, what's the best path? And there's, there's multiple ways. I mean, for example, in one level, uh, I had a ninja where I could, uh, walk like the east path that was really heavily uh, guarded but there was like rooftops i could skirt around there was like a west path that was like less guarded but there was not very much cover so if i felt like i could run through or if i could hide in the grass i could give that a shot there was also like water so if i wanted to like take out the guard at the docks and jump in the water you do that like uh, awesome ninja thing where you're like under the water with a straw like you're like under and breathing <laughs> through that like reed uh, so you do that, which is actually pretty cool. I was happy to see that, uh, but you can swim. So there's like, there's multiple ways and you can go any way that you want to, depending on what s- style of play you like to like, or you like more. So there's freedom, but you're still going to be dying a lot. There's a lot of like trial and error. There's a lot of like, I think I can kill this guy and hide the body before this other guy turns around. I think I can't. Oh no, I didn't. And then you like try it again, maybe try it a little bit faster. Um, the thing that makes this game playable and in fact, is a really brilliant, brilliant decision, is that if you hit the touchpad, it uh, does like a quick save, and you can have like three different quick saves, and it just takes like one second to quick save. If that wasn't in there, this would not be a playable game, because you would be dying so often and so fast. It would just be like total frustration central. Um, it's kind of like Super Meat Boy. Did you play Super Meat Boy? Yeah, for like 30 minutes. Okay, so like... Um, even if you didn't finish that, like the thing that makes Super Meat Boy playable for people who like it is like when you die, you, it just takes you like 0.5 seconds to get back in the game. So even though you may be dying a hundred times, there's no load time. There's no delay. You just keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Kind of the same thing with this. Like once you get into a good position, you hit quick save and then you can, you know, try whatever you think is going to work. If it fucks up, no big deal. You just reset. You get back in the game. It's fine. Like it keeps your frustration really low. It lets you feel free to try different strategies because you're not going to, like, have to do an hour's worth of work all over again. I mean, you can save as much as you want. No limits, which is great because, I mean, if you couldn't do that, literally unplayable because it's just, it's really, really tough. Um, But I just, man, I just, I love everything about it. Even though I die all the time and it takes me a long time to get through levels, I just, I love the level design. I love the abilities of the characters. I love the dialogue of the characters. I love the story. I love the way that the missions are crafted. I mean, every single thing about it is just, like, great. And I'm trying to find a thing that is really not good about it, and I'm just really struggling. I mean, (laughs) the thing that's not good is, like, if this is not your bag, I mean, I can imagine people being highly allergic to this kind of game because it is very dense. Uh, every single button on the controller is used. Sometimes some buttons double up. And so you have to really, it, it takes a few minutes to get used to control scheme. Uh, it's not necessarily the most intuitive, even though I think they did a good job with it. And I like the way that it's laid out now that I know it, uh, but it can be a little intimidating and just like figuring out like what to do sometimes. Like sometimes these levels are so big. You're like, well, where do I start? Like, what do I, what do I do? But you know, to that end, they do give you waypoints. They give you hints. They tell you what your mission should be to give you an idea if you don't know. I mean, if you don't like this kind of game, it's n- this is not going to win you over because it's very difficult, very challenging, very deep. But if this at all sounds like your game, I mean, this is fantastic. I just I'm I cannot tear myself away from this game, despite dying all the time, despite restarting constantly, despite you know, 
trying a thousand strategies and 999 of them don't work when you finally <laughs> find that one that works you're like yes i mean it's just like it's really really satisfying uh, i just i love it so much every single thing about this game is on point it is the best i love this game so much probably one of the best games i've played this year i am kind of head over heels for this game right now i couldn't tell from how many nice things you just said about it <laughs> I just love how many smart decisions they've made. Like, it really feels like they took the time, you know? Like, you know, you play a game sometimes and you're like, oh, this would have been cool if. This would have been cool if. And, like, it's like these guys thought it through. And every time I come up with an if, there's, like, an answer for that. Like, they really <laughs> seem to have caught, like, all of the different aspects that I would have wanted out of a game like this. Really thought it through. Really polished it up. Uh, I just, man, I just, I fucking dig it so much. And I just, uh... The characters really sell it, though, too. Like, uh, one character, he's like the standoffish ninja. One is like a young girl who wants to be a ninja, but she's not quite, and so she wants to to learn from this other ninja. And so they've got kind of a back and forth where he doesn't want to be a teacher, and she wants him to teach her. There's like the samurai guy. He's kind of like the father figure of the group. There's, I mean, just like, it's, they don't say a lot, and they don't, they don't spend a lot of time on cutscenes, but man, what's there really sells it so well. I mean, that's the, the, the trick to smart writing is getting a lot done with a little. And these guys, I mean, it's just elegance. It's really elegant. Um, I love it. I love it. I think uh, I've, I want to say I'm probably more than half. And I, it's like, I want to play more of it. And I don't want to stop playing it. But at the same time, I'm kind of worried I'm going to run out of game too quick and there's not going to be any more. <laughs> so that is a rare thing for me to say, my friend. I do not say that often. You will not hear me say that often. So uh, take that as a sign that this is the shit. If this sounds like your thing, dear listeners, if you're a tactics person, if you like uh, anything like, you know, top-down Hitman, anything like that, that sounds good, fucking pick this up because I don't hear anybody talking about it. It hit PSN a couple days ago. I I think I am the only person I know who's playing this game. I don't hear anybody <laughs> else talking about it. No, nothing. No buzz. Zero buzz. And I guarantee you this is one of the best games of the year. So don't sleep on it. Check it out if this sounds like your thing and i'm going to shut up now because i am i am running out of good things to say <laughs> so it's funny to me that we talked about our uh half year check-in game of the year thing last week and this game was like nowhere to be found on either of our lists and now you it has sprung up out of nowhere and we always like good surprises and you have played it and now it's like quickly moving up on your game of the year list already Oh, it's it's very close to the top so far. Very, very close. Um, and that's the great thing. You know, we can we can guess and we can predict. But like I said on the last show, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to click. You never know what's going to be coming. And, you know, to be fair, I've actually seen this game. I've seen it for like one or two years in a row at PAX. And walking by, seeing it on a PC monitor, like nothing about this at all seemed to like want to call me over and play it. I've been aware of it, but not... I didn't really have any sense of, like, what it was, you know? Like, oh, yeah, tactics and ninjas, whatever. But, man, fucking playing this, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, it only took me, like, maybe 10 minutes, and I'm like, this is amazing. So <laughs> I love getting surprised, and this has been a big surprise, very pleasant surprise. And we will definitely be talking about this game again in December, for sure, for sure. Good. Well, I, I'm happy for you. Have you picked out your engagement ring for it yet? Oh, we're way past that, dude. We're like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> me and my wife were like a very happy thruple now so it's all good <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure somebody in the, in the audience is like what what did he just say what is what's that 
I'm not going to go back on that. We're not going to, we're not going to elaborate. All right. That was a, I've never heard that word before, but I immediately knew what it meant. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of suggestive. <laughs> Bring us home, sir. Okay. Bring us home. All right. All right. Are we good? Are we good? I'm good. But man, you guys got to go buy this game like right fucking now. Uh, yeah, everybody except me. go. Everybody except you. Corey, sounds... no. Rent it. Rent it from Gamefly. Everybody else, go buy it. Oh, that reminds me. I need to put a Gamefly game in the mail tonight. I just, I re- I lowered my subscription from two games to one game, and I still have two games in my apartment right now, and they emailed me today, and they're like, if you don't have your game in the mail by X date, we're going to start, we're going to put your push your subscription back up to two games, and I was like, oh, son of a bitch. So, yeah, I need to, thanks for what reminding do you, What me do you have in house right now? What do you got? I fucking have the Outlast collection still that I've oh, had dude. for like two months that I have not played at all. and Well, that I played like an hour of and that's it. And I still have Rise because I played like half of Rise and I still haven't finished it. Oh, man. Like send send Outlast back. I finish will Rise that. or at least just get rid of it. But you should finish it probably. I mean, if you uh, if you like oh, yeah, it, I'll finish it. It's pretty short. And uh, what's on yeah, your queue, man? What do you got? What do you got coming up? What's, what's going to be sent oh, out to hold you? Hold on. Hold on, give me like the Jeopardy theme song while I look at my phone real quick. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Are you ready? This yes. is what's on my queue. This is okay. not an exciting queue right now. Um, uh, number one is Rhyme. Uh, number two is Little Nightmares. Number three is Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. And my fourth and fifth games are not out yet, so which are Uncharted, Lost Legacy, and Agents of Mayhem. Well, those are good lists. I mean, I don't know about Tom Clancy's, but the other ones you mentioned are all good. I'm looking forward to you playing those. Uh, yeah, get that shit out of your house and get one of those. I guarantee you'll like some of those things. Those are those are those are top shelf, dude. I know, and even like Rhymes PS4 availability is high right now. So if I get Outlast out and if I finish rise because i know i can finish rise in one more sitting i just have to like physically sit down and do it um maybe i can get rhyme pretty quickly and play it because whenever you talked about it i was very interested in playing it and i still am i just need to stop holding on to games that i keep telling myself i'm going to play and never actually play yeah yeah that's the secret to game flies like you got to keep those things in constant circulation man you gotta gotta refresh that cue you gotta send those stale games back if you if you <laughs> like for me it's like if i hold on to a game longer than a week and i haven't touched it by then i just send it back because i'm not going to get to it you know i wish i were that disciplined because i keep doing the thing where i'm like well i might play it i might play it i might play that again and then like a month passes and it's gathering dust on my coffee table and i still just don't have the sense to send it back well send that stuff back and get some new stuff in i guarantee you're going to like that stuff that's in your queue more than what you've got on hand so Indeed, indeed. Well, okay. Are you ready to close out the show? Are we ready? Let's do it. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, that, dear listeners, brings us to the end of our games talk and the end of my um, irresponsible gamefly usage talk. Uh, <laughs> you, you've been disciplined, I... sir. Consider yourself on notice. Uh, I know. I need, like, can you send me, like, a slip in the mail? Like, a, I don't know, some kind of, like, demerit, if you will, and then I'll really... I'll really cut to the chase and send it back. I'm going to send you a very nasty note. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, uh, that brings us to the end of our games talk and almost to the end of our show. But before we go, as always, with every episode, we would like to let you guys know that you can give us any thoughts, comments, feedback, 
uh, show ideas, discussion topics, uh, anything, uh, technical criticisms, uh, like in the middle of me talking earlier, I accidentally dropped my phone on my desk and that was a loud noise you guys heard like 20 minutes ago. Sorry about that. Um, uh, our email is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as a collective show. Our Twitter handle is at sovideogames with only one O and so, despite the fact that I announce our show when every time I host like Oprah, the so video games show. Um, <laughs> is that your Oprah voice? Is that your? Yeah, it's my bad Oprah voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you did, you, you did impressions. <laughs> No, I don't, and that's exactly why. <laughs> but uh, also, we are on Twitter individually. Uh, Brad, would you like to give out your Twitter handle? Sure, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Excellent, no O's, right? All A's, no O's. All A's, no O's. And my Twitter handle is also my first and last name, uh, Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y, Motley like the crew. Um and that brings us to the end of another episode of So Video Games. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully I will have played more games by next week because I'm not doing this one game bullshit for every show anymore. Um, but that's it. Brad, are you ready to go? I am ready to go, uh, yes. And I will be checking up <laughs> on you periodically to see what your game consumption has been. And it's you better get on point, bro. You better get on point. Uh, okay, I will reel it in, I promise. Um, <laughs> I, I promise. But that's it. That's the show. We're done. Hour and 40 minutes. Uh, This is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. See you next time.